I got some cases from the Doe Network. Yeah. They sent us two of them. Really? Why two? They just gave us both of them, and I figured that we would just do the first one first. Okay, what is it? It, uh, I'll just read you the email. It says, one that has been haunting my thoughts recently is Deborah Lynn Kidwell. I learned on the NamUs webpage that she went missing with her two three-year-old sons, Jackson and Joshua, born March 13th, 1976. Until recently, we were unaware that she went missing with anyone else. And according to the CDOJ, they were both over three feet tall, weighed 50 pounds, both had blonde hair and blue eyes. Their case numbers with the Ventura County Sheriff's Office is the same as their mother's. And then she went on to explain that they checked the California birth index and they weren't born in California. So she just said that she wished there were photographs of them. The only thing she knew is that Deborah had a nervous condition and a scar on her abdomen. Um, they don't, she didn't know if it was believed to be a family abduction or if they just vanished with no preparations. And she ended it with, I just hope all of them are still alive. Okay, when was this? They went missing on May 4th, 1979. Wow, that's kind of long, a long time ago. I know, and the hard thing is it's sort of like the no information bubble because mm-hmm. it's 40 years is too long to have an accurate memory of anything, and then 40 years is not old enough to have public information on it, so we're probably going to run into some troubles doing this one. So how are you going to like find any information? Well, the NamUs website and the um, Doe Network both list the current detective, so I guess we start there. Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't live a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and joining me as always is Haley. Hi. So... I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what we're doing this season. If you listen to the promo that we did over the weekend, did it publish over the weekend? Friday. Friday. Um, Of how the season's going to be different. We got a case of a missing persons from California. I had purposely emailed the Doe Network to ask them for a missing persons case from California, specifically from California, that they would like more attention brought to, like maybe social media attention and doing a podcast on them if they had a story that they wanted us to share. Mm -hmm. So from the phone call that you just listened to, um, we did receive a case and it is the case of Deborah Kidwell. She went missing on May 4th, 1979 from Ventura County, California, most more specifically Newberry Park, California. She didn't go missing alone though. She had her two three-year-old sons with her. So, like I mentioned on the phone, this is going to be a little more difficult because of the times, the time when it was. I feel like it being 40 years ago would make it easier to, like, get information. No, because a lot of records are not available until at least 50 years after someone dies. So, like, currently, like, I won't be able to find them on census records or anything because the census records that Deborah was born, she was 26 when she disappeared and her boys were three. So she was born in 1952. The 19, the earliest census that she would show up on would be 1960. 
And that's not going to be available for many years from now. The 1950 census, where I wouldn't be able to like find her parents and things like that, are won't be available until 2022, I think. It's 72 years after is when the census records. So this is kind of, the fact that it happened 40 years ago, it's not long enough or old enough for things about people to become public information, like court records and police records, things like that are not public information yet. And then... So like, you would only figure anything out by like talking to people, real people. Which at 40 years ago, your memory is not that great. So that's going to be the other issue. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to work through all this. And like I said, the detective is listed on the Doe Network. His um, name is Greg Cadman, and he's a Ventura County Sheriff's Department. And apparently there's a Ventura County Police Department, but for some reason the where they lived in particular was covered by the Sheriff's Department. So I called him, really nice man. Uh, the only information he could give me, though, was he said that Luckily, the case number is listed, and the case num- I gave him the case number when I left a message, and then he called me back. He said the only thing that he could really tell me from the case was that they found her car abandoned at LAX airport. Okay. That's weird. Well, and then I asked him, I said, well, that's good news, right? Because that means that she could have got on a plane and went anywhere that she they could still be alive. And he said, no, you need to think about it criminally, which apparently I don't have a criminal mind that the airport is a perfect place to abandon a car because you would, especially in 1979, there weren't cameras everywhere. And if you got out of a car and and walked away from it, nobody would think anything of it because you would, everyone does, they're going to get on a plane, they leave their car there. And then it would be very simple to walk to the front of the airport and just get in a taxi and go anywhere. So they can't, he doesn't, he can't prove that she like got on a plane or anything. All they know is that the car was there. No, he didn't tell me that. He was being very guarded with the information he was giving me. He had to get permission. Um, well, ultimately we ended up exchanging something like 32 emails and he, I asked him if he could talk to us and he said, he asked if he could talk to us and they said no. And I asked if that was indefinite that they wouldn't be able to talk to us on the podcast. And he said no, he didn't think it was indefinite, but they had current cases. They were more focused on right now yeah um the other thing that he told me about the case was that none of the none of the players were alive anymore like none of the pertinent people in the case as in suspects or what is just in general he said her parents are gone the husband's gone his parents are gone the husband's parents are gone so he kind of let me believe that it was like truly a cold case that they went missing and then all the people that cared that they went missing were missing too Mm -hmm. so we kind of went back and forth, email to email. Turns out he gave me some information and said that I had to request the documents in the file through the proper channels. And unfortunately, I was doing it through the Ventura Police Department. I guess in my head, I assumed that if it happened in Ventura County, the police would be involved and the sheriff. It wouldn't just be the sheriff. But I went through the police department first who were looking for the file this is what kind of stalled everything they were looking for the file and then their microfish microfilm machine broke Mm -hmm. so she was emailing me telling me like look i'm sorry i'm still looking for your case but our our machine isn't working let me get back to you we're gonna have it fixed and let me get back to you and then she wrote back probably like a week later and said oh it's the case you gave me is not the case you're saying it is 
And I was like, no, it's a missing person out of Newberry Park. And she's like, no, this is a traffic citation or something. So you had the wrong case number. No, I didn't. I had the wrong department. I was going through the police department. Oh, right. So then I called the sheriff's department. Well, I wrote him back and he's like, no, 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 ding dong. You're at the wrong place. It's not the police department. It's the sheriff's department. So he gave me the information, like the email to contact the records department. And they told me, I got a hard no. They just said, no, files are not public. It's 40 years old. It's a cold case, but it's an active case. So I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. It's 40 years old. You just got done telling me all the players are gone. Like, how is it still active? active? So then that lady told me I had to go above her to get permission to see the file, which I don't see how we can get anywhere without getting the information from the file. I mean, unless you talked to family. Right. So but that would just be like a one sided story then, I guess. It depends. Yeah. So I kind of went above her head and then they said I couldn't email either that I had to write a letter. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm out of, I don't have that much time. I just wasted a whole week. So I tracked down the lady who's in charge of records for Ventura County Sheriff's. And I figured out her email based on the other emails I had. <laughs> Clearly it's not that hard. So I sent an email and she basically wrote back hard no saying that it's active on an active quote unquote active and ongoing case that it's not public information. So it kind of hit a black wall there. Um, then the detective told me after telling me there was no like players left or no family left said that he w- it would be easier for him to give information to a family member than just me a, a podcaster. Person. Right. Yeah. So I decided to look and see if there were any family. I mean, I, I didn't know. It's hard to believe that the only people that cared about this were the husband, the husband's parents and Deborah's parents. Mm-hmm. So I went, lost myself in ancestry.com like always. And there's no, her maiden name is Cronan and it's spelled with an A-N, not an I-N. And there are a ton of I-N Cronans on ancestry.com. Not one A-N Cronan. Like I couldn't find her family anywhere. And like I said, it's going to be harder because like the census records from when she would be alive and she's not, I don't, I don't know her parents' name. I didn't, he wouldn't give me that information. Yeah. So all I have is her married name, her maiden name, date of birth, and that the boys are born. But the boys are born in 1976. That's like too soon for me to get really information on. Yeah. So I started searching. So Ancestry is kind of a dead end because I don't have enough names to search. So then I started searching Facebook and I couldn't find any Cronins either. That seemed like they would match up. Mm -hmm. But... I kind of like I called the Doe Network. I spoke to a couple of people and kind of got encouragement from them, like just keep looking. So I ended up going on Web Sleuths to see if there have you ever heard of Web, Slu- Web Sleuths? I'm sure you've mentioned it before, but it's no. like armchair detectives. It's people who are trying to solve crimes mm-hmm. on the internet. Basically, I went on Web Sleuths to see and search for Deborah Kidwell, and you're not going to believe it. What? Someone posted a lady named Jocelyn. Barton posted literally almost a year to the date that I was looking at it ago, like a year before, Mm -hmm. saying that uh, Deborah Kidwell was her aunt and that um, if any asking if anybody had any any more information on the case or the missing, her missing or the boys missing. Like a year ago. Exactly a year ago. So I didn't know like how often she would look on there, but clearly if she has a niece, she has family left, right? Mm -hmm. So I... 
messaged the niece on web sleuths and um she within i think 48 hours she wrote back so are you gonna be able to talk to her well i emailed her and i um have an appointment to call her Jocelyn? Yes. Hi, it's Kat from Haunting History Podcast. Hi, Kat. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Th- thank you for responding to my email so quickly. Of course. I just, I'm so shocked and surprised. I, it's so crazy that I found your post almost exactly a year after you posted it. Yeah, that's absolutely insane to me. I, I had pretty much given up hope there for a while that you know, we'd hear any new information or that anyone would even be interested in the case. So did you, um, no one commented back on web at all, except for me? No, there were some other comments just about, um, possible Jane Doe's that had been found that they thought may have matched. Um, but nothing really turned up from that. Has your family, um, been looking like, it's been 40 years now, currently, right? Yes. Yes. 40 and, years. Yes. And Deborah Lynn, did she go by Debbie or just Deborah? Uh, she went by Debbie. And she's and your, Deb. yes. She's your aunt. Yes. Yeah, she is my biological aunt. And Joshua and Jackson are my first cousins. And you sound really young. Did you, uh, was she, did this happen before you were old enough to even know it was happening? Yeah, so this happened in 1979, and I was born in 84, so... Um, before you were even born. Yes, this was before I was even born. I, I never had the pleasure of meeting um, them. Actually, I believe my mom was 15 when this happened. So you have no actual recollections of your own then, obviously? No, no. Everything I've heard has been um, kind of passed down and, and passed around. And your family, after 40 years, still doesn't know anything about what happened to them? No, we don't know anything. We have our suspicions um, based off of what my grandmother told us. Um, she she was very active in the investigation and talking to the detectives and actually talking with John uh, Kidwell, which is Debbie's husband, quite a bit, um, I, I think for maybe even up to a couple years after and your grandmother, she's not with us anymore? No, she's not, unfortunately. So who, my first phone call, I know I barely explained in the email, but I got the case from the Doe Network. Are you familiar with the Doe Network? No, not really. Not really. Okay, so the Doe Network is a volunteer organization that helps to match up unidentified remains with John and Jane well, actually, John, which are John and Jane, John and Jane Doe's, and they try and okay. match them up with actual cases of uh, missing and uh, and missing people. Basically, it's completely one hundred percent volunteer. But from that organization, another organization called Namus, um, that one is a federal organization that helps with the forensic side of actually matching up unidentified victims with missing people. So I had written, I know I had written to the Doe Network and asked them if um, they would mind if I, for my podcast, if I did a story on one of California's missing, I mean, there's thousands of them. 
and I asked them for if I could do a story and if I could, which story did they want me to do? And they wrote back and said they wanted me to do this one. And so here we are. <laughs> That's how I ended up. The thing is, is when I first started searching for your family, and this is what I was kind of hoping you could help me with. When I first started searching for any of the survivors of Deborah Lynn or the kids, you have no, um, imp- like there's no, there's no fingerprint of your family on like even ancestry.com. Are you aware of that? No, I wasn't, but I know that I've, I've never been active on there. So I'm, you know, I guess that doesn't surprise me. So it, that means that none of you have ever done DNA or anything. Not that, not for my recollection. No. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that with, with other people in the family, but, uh, from, from what I know, I do not think we've done any DNA. Okay. So my first phone call, um, that I made was to the detective that there's a detective that's currently assigned to the case. I don't know if you know that. I mean, I'm assuming over the years, like it's probably changed several times. Yeah. It's, pa- it's been passed around to uh, a couple different detectives. I know that like five, five or so years ago, my aunt Joyce and my cousin Jenny, who lived in California at the time, but now I believe they're in Kansas. They, they got in touch with the detective that was assigned at that time. So I'm not sure if that's the same detective or not, but um, they reached out about five years ago to see if they could get any information. And we found out a a couple new details, but um, you know, nothing, nothing really that's substantial. Yeah. I am. When I called him, the, he, he kind of implied that the case, like, well, first of all, he wouldn't let me record him. Um, he had to get permission to do that. And the second thing was that he said the things that he did know about the case was that her car was found abandoned at LAX. The her- I've, I've never heard that before. That's That would be new information to us. That would be completely new information if, if her car was abandoned at the airport. He, he wouldn't tell me a lot, but he told me that. And then he also told me that um, there was no surviving, like there was no family left, that um, the husband was gone, the grandparents were gone, and the family was gone. And so luckily I decided to verify that, and luckily you had posted on Web Sleuths because that wasn't really correct then. How many, and you, you, you talked about your mom. Is your mom still alive? Yeah, my mom is still alive. Um, she's got quite a, she, okay, so she came from a, a large Irish family. She has, she had had, I guess I should say, um, nine siblings. There were a total of two boys and eight girls. So, um, she had a a lot of family, a lot of cousins. So yeah, my mom and my aunt Joyce are still with us. And I have a couple other aunts that are still living that I haven't been in contact with for a long time. But, um, my uncle Pat is still alive as well. Um, so yeah. Okay, so and she does have a lot of as well. Yeah, so then there is a lot of surviving family members. <clears throat> yes. Okay, so well that's good news. Will your mom and your aunt will they let me talk to them, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can I'll can contact them and reach out. Okay. I haven't spoken to my aunt Joyce in a while. Um a really long time. I, I normally communicate with her daughters who are my cousins. Um, but I can reach out to, um, to them to, to get 
their you know, information to make sure it's okay. okay. But I can give you my mom's number. Absolutely. I've already been in contact with her. Like the, the minute you emailed me, I, I called her. So Okay. So your family would be okay with me doing this story? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you know anything about the husband? Because I was told that he was no longer with us. Do you know that? So from what I've been told, he, um, he committed suicide. Um, here I'll just, I'll give you a, a recap kind of, uh, of what we know or what we've been told. Okay. Perfect. So he was always the, the prime suspect in the dis- disappearance. Um, he told our family that he drove Debbie, Joshua, and Jackson to the airport because she had told him that my grandmother was very ill and she needed to get home to Pennsylvania. So he drove them to LAX. So that is different uh, information than what the detective already gave me. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's That would okay. be... That would be all news to us if, if there was an abandoned car at okay. the airport. Okay. Um, he said that he was double parked and he was not able to get out of the car and go in with them. And he drove off, you know, watching them walk into the airport. And then a couple of days later, there was a phone call made uh, to my grandparents' house asking for her. And when my grandparents were very confused and telling him that they didn't know what he was talking about, uh, that's when I believe the missing persons report was filed. I don't know if it was filed by John or by my grandmother. Okay. And from there, the investigation went on. From what we understand, there was an insurance policy. Um, we don't know for how much. We don't know, but we from our understanding, a short time after the seven years, he uh, actually committed suicide. Okay. So the conflicting information I got was about the car, but the fact that the husband is gone, that is, that is true. Yes. Okay. Okay. To go back really quickly to ancestry.com. It's before I say that, does your family think that any of them are still alive? Um, we have very high hopes that Joshua and Jackson are still alive somewhere. Based on really, really hopeful that, and, and my grandmother, had always believed that because there was a statement made by John during one of their phone calls at one point where she said that it sounded like he was on something or maybe he was drunk or something. He was very slurring his words and he just said, well, at least we know the boys are okay. And my grandmother, from our, from what she told us, kept asking him, what do you mean, John? What do you mean? what do you mean the boys are okay? And he kind of just, you know, shoved it off and got off the phone. So I think my grandmother has always believed that Joshua and Jackson are out there, but we, we know for a fact that there's no way Debbie is still alive anywhere because she was so close to her family and especially to my grandma. She wrote letters all the time. She was constantly calling, um, even from California to Pennsylvania she she was writing letters constantly to her siblings. So we know for a fact that if there was something wrong or if she wanted to leave John or if, you know, she wanted to run away, that home would be where she would go. She wouldn't she wouldn't just disappear into thin air, especially with the boys. And um, 
I never speak to any any of her family ever again. Do you, and she was in California on her own with her husband and kids. There was no other. Like the siblings and the parents all lived in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so my grandmother's um, brother lived in, moved to California, lived in California. So my my grandparents actually relocated all of their kids, and they all lived in California for a period of time. And I I believe I'm not totally sure, but I believe that's when Debbie met John. Okay, and she ended up staying out there. Okay. Okay, so. Back to the family tree thing, it's it's really important that if we're going to kind of embark on this, like, search for them or to tell their story and maybe hopefully someone out there somewhere knows something, it's really important that you at least start with building a family tree on Ancestry because if anyone's searching for you, especially with most of the siblings being sisters and marriages and name changes... There has to be like a central place that someone would be able to look for um, Debbie's maiden name. And the best okay. place to do that would be like to start to build a family tree. And you don't have, you can have your family tree public. And as long as you don't have um date of death for anybody who's living, they'll be considered private. Like people won't be able to just go see like who your mom is or where she's at. But you okay. want to start, you want to start like as with, you want to start with the siblings, with um, Debbie and all the siblings, and then build it below that and make sure that you have Joshua and Jackson. And you may have to put a, a death date for them where you would have like um, the date of their disappearance. You can put that as their death date so that they show okay. up as, they'll show up as public. Because if for some reason, this is why I was asking about DNA and we'll get more into the DNA for forensic purposes. But if for some reason those boys survived, like say they survived and they went with someone, another family member, or she, she survived and went and changed her name and got birth certificates for the boys. How old were the boys? I think they were only like two or three, right? Three years old. She okay. was 26. So if she would have went on and like changed her name or changed the boys' names or anything, those boys would be adults with adult children currently. And any one of them could have done DNA through um, Ancestry or 23andMe, and they could be on their own search. So you could be searching for someone, and they could be searching back, but there's no imprint of your family on Ancestry with a tree or DNA. So that's probably one of the okay. first things if you don't, if you're, if you're up for it, if you want to go ahead, if you want to do yeah. something like that. No, absolutely. I, I can, I can reach out to my family. I'll just, I'll do like a group message or something like that and just make sure everybody's okay with that. But okay. like I said, it, it just seems like there's one thing that's been a trend in my family and that has always been, we've just always wanted to know what happened to Debbie, Joshua and Jackson. So okay. I'm sure that they'll be on board for that. And I can do that when we get off the phone and I will start that right away. Okay. And then, um, DNA through ancestry.com would be like a number one thing. And the best, okay. the best people to do that would be any of the living siblings because they'll okay. have a, a higher match to, um, Joshua and Jackson and obviously Debbie. So, um, but the, don't do that right away because there's there's sales on the DNA. I know I always tell people this. Um, for Father's Day is coming up, and um, they oh, always okay, have a great. really good sale on DNA, on the DNA test. So that's one thing that, like, we can kind of put on the list to do. The other thing is to start a Facebook page 
for um okay. for her and the boys and get as much they're finding out now that a lot of the cold cases are being solved not only by DNA, which is a huge thing, but also um, by the use of social media and getting her name and her face and the boy's name and face out there. Again, someone out there somewhere knows something or has heard something. And if you get that out there and we can get it shared enough, someone might be able to respond that remembers them or remembers the incident or things that are happening. So if you don't, after, I mean, of course, I, I want you to talk to your family first to make sure everybody's on board with this. But um, that would be the other big thing to do is to create a Facebook page for them and get some social media buzz going about the story in the case and see if we can maybe find people that, that know something. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, okay. I know that we would be on board to do whatever we can um, okay. to gather more information. There's just been a lot of questions um, over the past 40 years and a lot of hard wondering so i i i myself can create the facebook page that's no problem at all okay okay well um that's probably a lot of information already if you don't mind can you give me your mom's phone number and your aunt's phone number and and i can call them and like let them know i'll call them this weekend do you mind yeah absolutely i'll have to get my aunt's current information okay um but my my mom's number is five will you let your mom know that i'll be calling her this weekend then I will definitely let her okay. know, and I'll let everybody else know, too, uh, what's going on, and I really okay. look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much for reaching out, and You're... I just, I'm so excited I'm um, so glad. to, I hope to that... maybe get some more information. I mean, the least we can do is maybe get, ans- not, I don't know that we can solve anything, I'm, I'm almost certain we probably can't solve anything or figure it out for sure, but we might be able to get your family some more answers that they might not have had in over the last 40 years. And, yeah, um, we have not been able to get a lot from um, the, the detectives that have been on the case, and they've kind of held held information close to their chest. So we we just like if in any way you know we could we could just get some more information to understand the direction the investigation went in, why they looked at John so much. Like, what was it? Was there something that they can share now that he's gone? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that no, they couldn't share that. Okay. Um, so anything like that would be amazing. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for trusting me with this story. It really is an honor to, to try and help your family. I mean, I don't know how much I'll be able to do, but I hope that, I hope that we can get somewhere and find out something. And I, I really am honored to be able to, to do this. Okay, great. Thank okay. you so much. I, like I said, we appreciate you too. Thank you okay. for reaching out and, and having interest in, in my family. Thank you. You're welcome. And I will talk, um, I'll text you. Or I'll email you as I find out some information, and then we'll go from there. Okay, perfect. That Thanks. sounds great. Thanks, bye. Thanks, Kat. Bye-bye. All events from this episode transpired between April 29th and May 16th. Our research has been ongoing since then. Over the course of the next few weeks, our listeners, you, will catch up to us in real time. While you wait, please help us. To do that, find the Facebook page called Find Deborah Lynn and Sons. Like and most importantly, share it and ask your friends to share it too. Again, someone out there knows something. Help us find that someone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode. Until next time, 
I'm Kat, and remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.